looking forward to that. Thank you for being here on Sunday night. Grab your handbooks now. Let's stand together. Brother Ken's going to come lead us tonight. Brother Ken. Tonight, there's power in the blood. To be free from your burden of sin, there's power in the blood, power in the blood. Would you or evil a victory win? There's wonderful power in the blood. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood. Come the Lamb, there is power, power, wonder-working power. Thank you for coming back on this Sunday evening. The old great songwriter Andre Crouch said the blood will never lose its power. I'm glad it's still as strong today. I'm going to ask my son to open us up in prayer. Let's go to the Lord together this evening, asking him to meet with us tonight. James, you pray for us if you would, please, buddy. Lord, we thank you for uh, the day of worship that you have set aside for us to gather together. Lord, we thank you for the word that you've given to us to make yourself known to us. Lord, we thank you for the privilege that we have to sing praises to you and to your son. And Father, we now merely ask tonight that you would help us to worship in spirit and in truth. Father, we pray that the truth of God would pierce our hearts and that the spirit of God would inflame it as we reflect back to you, Lord, the uh, beautiful radiance of your worth. Father, we also pray tonight for the preaching of the word. Father, may your spirit uh, open our hearts and our minds that we may be doers of the word and not hearers only. And Father, most importantly, we pray if someone here has not bowed that knee to Jesus Christ, Father, we pray that uh, you would open their hearts, that they might bow that knee and know the joy of eternal salvation. Father, we love you, and again, we thank you for the privilege to pray and to be here. And it's through your son we pray. Amen. All right, you can be seated now. Choir learned a new song tonight. Now, it's a new song for us, but if you uh, have been in church for any length of time, it won't be a new song for you. And if you watch the Gaither much, uh, Gaither vocal series much, it's an old song. I am glad that over the storms of life, our Lord Jesus Christ will pilot us. You listen now as the choir sings this new one for you.
I'm just firing Brother Ken again. He came up to me and he said, uh, that song he'll pilot me has got to be pretty old. I used to have a cassette of gospel like Baptist Church singing it. It was awesome. I said, was it a cassette or an eight track? He said, I don't go that far back. In Jesus' name, save this young man, Father. All right, thank you for being back on this Sunday evening. Just a couple of quick announcements. Of course, Awana begins this Wednesday night, 7 o'clock as always. Sunday morning, moving on up Sunday. And uh, I did not announce this morning, but we are continuing, of course, with our, our Operation Christmas Child Collection. Uh, if you fill up the medicine bottles with quarters, I haven't announced it in a few weeks, fill up the medicine bottles with quarters, uh, and that helps send out our shoe boxes that we'll be doing this coming Christmas. Uh, we're hoping to send out 200 uh, from our church this year. So keep that in mind if you would. And again, the wedding shower will be happening this coming Sunday, a week from today. Uh, we will also start our Christmas play practice uh, on Sunday evening as well. We will not do a Sunday evening service next Sunday because of the shower and then subsequently Christmas play practice. We're not going to take every Sunday evening off by any means, but we will take next Sunday evening off uh, as we launch our Christmas drama practice. And let me encourage you to please be much in prayer about that. Uh, every year we've had folks get saved because of our Christmas uh, drama. We've had lives changed because of it, and I ask you to be praying for God to bless it and use it as we begin to launch it next Sunday, uh, and I think you'll be marvelously blessed by it. All right, uh, let me get our ushers to make their way down. The Helbert family is going to sing tonight, but I believe it's a conglomeration of the Helbert family. I don't know if we should call these the Krelbert family, the Hell Craig, whatever it is, but uh, these folks, these girls are going to sing for us tonight. Y'all come on, ladies, and get ready to sing for us this evening. We're going to ask God's blessings upon the offering. Yeah, give him those three mics if you would, buddy. Let's pray together. Lord, we are so grateful to be in your house tonight. And Lord, as James said, we counted an honor and a privilege to assemble ourselves together on a Sunday evening just to worship the Lord. Lord, I pray that you would bless the offering tonight. Thank you for what you did in the services today, but tonight's a fresh night, and we need fresh oil this evening. Lord, I pray that you'd pour it out upon us tonight, your presence and all that we do in Christ's name. Amen.
Awesome song. One of my favorites. Let's all stand together. Hymn number 19 in your blue song book. Probably won't need it. There is a fountain filled with blood. Thank God for that. Verse number one in the chorus, and we'll have a time of fellowship. Hymn number 19 this evening.
Amen. Thank you, ladies. In your Bibles tonight, please turn to Philippians chapter number 3. Philippians tonight, chapter number 3. I want to read to you this evening verses 10 through 14. Philippians chapter 3, verses 10 through 14. I mentioned this morning that I think one of our enemy's greatest ways of discouraging the child of God is to constantly remind us of our past. Those things that have been forgiven, forgotten, as far removed as the east is from the west, forever buried in the depths of the sea where there is a no fishing sign planted firmly, but the enemy loves to remind us of them and will not let us oftentimes forget about our past. It is something that we all deal with, it's something that we all struggle with, and as such, it should not surprise us that the Lord gives us some instructions on how to handle it. I want you to look with me, please, at Philippians chapter 3, beginning in verse number 10. That I may know him. Let's read that again. That I may know him. And the power... Of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death if by any means I might attain to the resurrection of the dead not as though I had already attained either were already perfect but I follow after if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. Please note this. But this one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Father, thank you for the passage, for the reminder that our past can remain in the past when we become in the present part of the family of God. Lord, I'm grateful tonight that our past is no prohibitor from partaking in the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, but I've also been in this long enough to know that our past can be used by the enemy as an agent of discouragement. as an opportunity to bring us off the firing line of Jesus Christ. So, Lord, it's my desire tonight that you'd use the outline to encourage us on how to deal and to get past our past. Bless now the preaching in Christ's name. Amen. Little Johnny is sitting in his elementary school class coloring a picture at the uh, instruction of the teacher. The teacher goes up to him and says, Johnny, what are you coloring? Johnny looks down and says, it's a picture of Jonah in the belly of the whale. The teacher 
made a smirk and said, I don't believe that story is possible. I don't believe that Bible nonsense. There is no way that a whale could swallow a man and a man be alive for three days and nights. Johnny said, well, when I get to heaven, I'll ask him if it was a whale. The teacher said, well, what if he didn't go to heaven? Johnny said, well, then you can ask him. Amen. <laughs> Amen. The Christian life is all about moving forward. It's all about a forward trajectory. In order to do that, there are two things that are required. The past has got to be forgotten, and the future must be pursued. I want to kind of launch on an even ground here and ask a question, and let's be candid for just a moment. How many of you have things in your past that you wish you could forget and think you wish they'd never occurred? All of us. There's not a person in the building tonight, whether you've been saved one week, one month, or 50 years, there's not a person in the building tonight who doesn't have uh, some past issues, some past failures, uh, some past mistakes uh, that you would like uh, to leave behind. Uh, but unfortunately, the enemy is so adept at bringing them back to your attention. In my opinion, Paul was one of the greatest, if not the greatest, human preacher that ever lived. And yet he too had to forsake his pharisaical pedigree. He had to get past uh, some of his own failures. In fact, Paul has said, I'm paraphrasing, the things that I want to do, I don't do, and the things I don't want to do, those are the things I end up doing. Yet Paul would establish dozens of churches, lead countless folks to the Lord, uh, yet he too uh, had to fight past this idea of getting past the past. I'm very blunt tonight when I say that in far too many Baptist churches, there are too many people who need to forget about their own self-righteousness. These are those people who are experts in everything. Those people who've never made a mistake. And somehow think that they can hold that over everybody else's head. But then there are also plenty of people who need to get past their own unrighteousness. Our past unrighteousness. Even the Lord said amen. You see, folks, uh, there are two different groups that will destroy a church. There is one group uh, that is so pharisaical, so self-righteous, so holier than thou, that a lost person comes in and thinks, I don't want none of that. Would you look at me? That ain't nowhere in your Bible. In fact, when you look at the Lord and you follow the Lord's ministry, he spent far more of his time with the lost person than he ever did the religious crowd. This idea of self-righteousness, this idea that we are somehow better than anybody else is that tool of the enemy to destroy the work of God. But on the flip side of that coin, the enemy also delights in forcing people to wallow, if you will, in their own past unrighteousness. I say again, everybody in the building, you've made mistakes, you've messed up, 
you failed. And there are plenty of things uh, that you would like to leave in the past uh, that you know you've been forgiven for, uh, but the enemy just keeps dangling them back in your present. How do we handle it? Two things tonight. Number one, how do we forget the past? Forgetting the past. That word forget means to purposefully neglect or to put it out of mind. One preacher that I love to read after said this, We can't linger in the past. We can't languish over the past. We can't live in the past. But we must learn from the past. And the only way to learn from the past is to leave it in the past. Three things that I want to remind you that often prevent us from getting past the past. Number one, guilt. Number one, guilt. Let me say it again. Number one, guilt. If you were to open your Bible tonight to Hebrews chapter 11, don't flip to it, but most of you know already. If you've been in this church any length of time, we call it God's Hall of Faith. And you list and you will see countless numbers of godly men and women who are in the Hall of Faith, if you will. Those whose names are, are celebrated for their great acts of faith. Let me remind you, however, that there is one thing many of them had in common. Let me outline some of the mistakes that they made. Adam desecrated the image of God. Moses committed murder. Abraham deceived the king and lied. Noah got drunk. Jacob deceived his father. Rahab denigrated her body. We flip to the New Testament. Peter denied the Lord. Uh, Thomas doubted Christ. Uh, Mark deserted Paul on the missionary journey. Paul helped to stone Stephen. David committed adultery. Elijah was depressed to the point of suicide. Person after person after person messed up. uh, Yet the one thing they had in common, uh, they all pressed on. They all pressed on. Guilt is not a mental problem. It's not an emotional problem. Guilt is a spiritual problem. Listen, and it requires a spiritual solution. What is it? Listen to what I'm about to say. Grace can renew what guilt has destroyed. Grace can forgive and cover what guilt has ruined. Paul said it in Romans like this. For where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. May I say to you tonight, I don't care how wicked your past is, God's grace is greater. I don't care how vile your past is, God's grace is greater. I don't care how far you fell into sin, grace can pick you further than what guilt and sin can ever destroy you. There is no sin for which grace cannot pull you out of. Grace, grace, God's grace. Grace that is greater than all our sin. Guilt can destroy the power of the present in our life. Another one, another tool that the enemy uses to prohibit us from getting out of the past. uh, Number one is guilt. Number two is grief. Number two is grief. Let me pause a moment and say that mourning is appropriate. It is right, it is appropriate, it is correct to grieve over the death of a loved one. 
It is entirely appropriate. We've experienced it in our own family. I get it. We understand it. There is a time to mourn. But would you listen carefully to what I'm very respectfully saying? The enemy can convince you that you can never enjoy life again and that you'll never come out of the grieving period. The enemy will convince you that it's wrong to smile. The enemy will convince you that it's wrong to laugh, that it's wrong to have a good time, that it's wrong to enjoy yourself again. Hey, if your loved one's in heaven, we've got much to celebrate. I know we miss them here. I know we'd love to have them back. But soon and very soon, we'll be where they are. In the meantime, we're not going to be overrun by guilt, and let's not be overrun by grief. Yes, it's right to mourn. It's right to grieve. In fact, David is yet again a beautiful example. When David lost his child, got to be one of the most horrible things to imagine. And some of you have walked through that incredibly dark valley. David gave us a beautiful example of mourning the death of his child. Yet he also gives another example how you can still press on, how you can still be used of God, how God can still bless you and do incredible things even despite the painful loss in our lives. The enemy will use guilt to stop our forward momentum. The enemy will use grief to stop our forward momentum. And number three, and most importantly, the enemy will use the garbage of our past to stop our forward momentum. I asked you a moment ago, how many of you have got mistakes and everybody raised your hand? Not going to ask you for this one, but a few of us, and notice I said us, third person, I meant me as well. First person, I meant me as well. Uh, uh, a lot of us have whoppers in our past. We got some doozies in our past. We got some things uh, that we wouldn't want the good people at this church to know about. Don't look at me cross-eyed and cock-eyed. You ain't that spiritual yet. I'm not either. Most of us have got some things in our past, some skeletons. It's one of the things I don't understand about society today, just to be candid. I'm going on a rabbit trail, but stay with me. I don't understand our desire to air our dirty laundry. Don't understand this desire to put our skeletons out there and dare somebody to say something. I come from a generation where when you blew it, you didn't brag about it. You tried to cover it up and you realized that the grace of God was sufficient and you put it behind you. I believe tonight that what grace forgives, we don't need to brag about. The garbage of our past can ruin us. Here's the simple truth. God has what God has forgiven. He has also forgotten, but the enemy hasn't. Amen. What God, I love singing that song, What Sins Are You Talking About? But then I have to remind myself, the devil knows what I'm talking about. The devil doesn't forget the sins of my past. Uh, the devil doesn't, isn't afraid to dangle those things in front of us. Uh, he's a serpent. Uh, he's a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He's wise. Uh, he will dangle those things in front of you. Uh, and the garbage of your past will devour uh, the power of your present if we're not careful. Notice with me tonight that when Paul says in verse number 11, I believe... No, excuse me, verse 13. This one thing I 
do. Forgetting those things. Forgetting those things which are behind. May I pause just a moment and say that Joseph is the perfect example. You go read the last third of the book of Genesis. And you will see over and over where multiple injustices were done to Joseph. His brother, Potiphar's wife, the prisoners, multiple injustices were done to Joseph. Yet over and over and over, uh, Joseph put it behind him, uh, pressed forward. uh, Because I think in the back of Joseph's mind, he knew uh, that God had a better plan. The solution to guilt, the solution to grief, the solution to garbage is grace. I like that. I want to say it again. The solution to guilt, grief, and garbage is grace. Victory does not come through a new resolution, but victory comes through a realization and a reception of God's amazing grace. That word, forgetting, literally means to neglect those things which are behind. How do you forget the past? You neglect them. You, let me say it again. You neglect them. You don't feed them. So number one, we forget the past. Verse 13, the last clause says, And reaching forth unto those things which are before. So while we're forgetting the garbage back here, we're reaching forth to the glory that's up here. I like that. Forgetting the garbage and neglecting the junk back here, we're reaching forward to the glory that awaits up here. But may I pause a moment and say, please get this, that in order to pursue the future, we'll never do it if we're dragging the past behind us. I read a story months ago, wrote it down in the flyleaf of my Bible for just this application. It's a horrendous story. I'm not going to go into a lot of details because it is a gut-wrenching story. But I'll summarize it simply to say that there was a vile plane crash on the mountainside of the Alps. And because of the horrendous conditions, there was no rescue possible. There were only a a handful of survivors. Most of them were crippled. And again, I don't want to be too graphic, uh, but in order to survive, uh, the survivors literally started having to feed on the dead bodies of those who would perish. It's a horrible thing to think about. Yet at the same time, listen carefully, there are far too many people who like to hunker down in their own spiritual crash sites uh, and begin criticizing and consuming those that hurt us. I know that's not going to get popular amens, but you hear what I'm about to say. Criticism is the death knell of the child of God. We wallow in criticism. The best way to get something out of our mind is to get it out of our mouth. Amen. The best way to get it out of our head is to stop talking about it, stop advertising it, refuse to wallow in the pain of the past and the failures of the future, start envisioning the glory that God's got ahead for his child of God. There's an element here that we have to understand. We can be pitiful 
or we can be powerful. But you can't be both. Let me say that again so you get it. We can be pitiful or we can be powerful, but you can't be both. And I don't believe God created his children to be pitiful. He created us in his image to be powerful. But if we don't stop dragging the past, that pain turns to bitterness. And you know it as well as I do. Bitterness poisons our future. It zaps the river of blessing uh, that God has for us. It paralyzes prayer. It contaminates the people around you. And it conquers your entire life. The writer, Hebrews says that the time to get out the bitterness is to dig it by the root. You know this already. When you see a weed growing in your garden, the time to dig it out is when it's this big. Because once it gets to be this big, it ain't a weed no more, it's a tree. And it ain't easy to kill a tree digging it up by its roots. The higher it gets, the deeper the roots go, the more it strangles the good things that you've got planted. So when that bitterness begins to creep into our lives, that's the time to dig it out by the root. Because if we're not careful, that bitterness will grow into our heart and it will suffocate the blessings that God has for us. We cannot move forward in our future dragging around the failures of our past. I say again, what God has forgiven... He's also forgotten. Let's read that verse one more time. Verse 13. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press towards the mark. For the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let me say it like this. Getting past our past is not just something we should do. It's something we must do for the sake of our family and loved ones. Now I've told you tonight about what we have to do. But what we haven't looked at is how to do it. It's easier said than done. It's easy for me to stand up here and say, forget the past and focus on the future. It's easy preaching. It's hard living. But our God's a good God. And he doesn't give us any instructions or he doesn't tell us what to do without providing a roadmap on how to do it. Paul also, I will tell you candidly, you've heard me say this on many occasions, Paul loved the Philippian church. This church at Philippi was good to Paul. And if you want to see how Paul blessed them and how he loved them, you read it in that capacity and you will see that some of the most glowing words that Paul wrote was to the church at Philippi. And he gave them an instruction in chapter 4 that is all but forgotten today. But it is a reminder to all of us how we can forget about the past and focus on the future. Look at verse 8. Chapter 4. Verse number 8. Chapter 4, verse number 8. Now let's go back to verse 5. Let's go back to verse 5. Let's go back to verse (laughs) 4. It's all good. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing. 
but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known unto God the peace of God with path all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus if you're writing your Bible get ready to write circle star underline verse number eight it is so important it's the roadmap to how we forget about the past it's the roadmap to pressing ahead notice what it says finally brethren whatsoever things are true whatsoever things are just whatsoever things are pure whatsoever things are lovely whatsoever things are of good report if there be any virtue if there be any praise think on these things may I simply put it like this the 21st century Christian battle is the battle for the mind the 21st century battle for the child of God is, yes, the battle of the flesh, but it is the battle of the mind. Why do young people, why would a young person or anybody uh, take up uh, ammunition and go blow up a bunch of young kids because of what's going on in their mind? Why would people do the heinous things that we read about uh, every single day? There's scarcely a day that goes by now uh, that you can't turn on the news uh, or open up your app uh, or read a newspaper uh, and something that is just absolutely heinous and ungodly has been perpetrated. And it's even sometimes now in our own back door. How could that happen? Because of what goes on right here. The battle for the mind. Paul says if there be any virtue. If there be any praise, think on these things. When I have the opportunity to counsel folks, I'm a big believer in what is referred to in counseling as the replacement theory. That means that if you're going to, you can't just remove the junk. you got to replace it with something good. Because removing the junk is good, but it leaves the hole there. And so the only way to plug the hole is to put something good where the hole used to be. Far too often, we tell teenagers, we tell young adults, you can't go here, you can't do that, you can't be with that person, you can't watch this, you can't do that. And I get it. I did the same thing to my own children. But there also needs to be the time where we say, hey, you can't do this, but you can do that. You can't go here, but you can go there. You can't watch this, but you can watch that. Why? Because if there's any virtue, if there's any praise, think on these things. That's the only way to get past the past. Because otherwise, the past, listen, I'm done, becomes our present, and it robs us of our future. Stand to your feet this evening. Thank you for your attention tonight. Brother Ken, let's sing a song this evening. Let's sing tonight. Just a verse. Just a verse. Whatever the Lord lays on your heart. not a prosperity preacher, but I do believe God wants to do great things with his children. And he did not save us to wallow in our past. He didn't save us for us to end up back in the same pig pit that he brought us out of. So I want you to bow your heads tonight. Nobody's looking. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but I'm going to ask you if you are like me. And the 
enemy loves to remind you of those things which God has already forgiven. Why don't you join me here at this altar? Remind ourselves that it is our present that God is focused on and it is our future that God is using. Forgetting those things which are behind. Brother Ken, I want you to sing one verse tonight. Christians, you pray while Brother Ken sings. Marvelous grace Amen. of our loving Love that song. Grace that exceeds our sin and our guilt. Yonder on Calvary's mount Amen. This course, if you know it, grace, 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 God's grace, grace that will pardon and cleanse with grace, grace, God's grace. time all over the building grace 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 God's grace God's grace grace that will pardon grace that will pardon and cleanse within grace tonight that where sin abounded graced us much more abound don't forget Wednesday night Awanas kicks off we're looking forward to a great time let's pray together Father thank you for your presence today Lord it's been good to be in your house Lord thank you for the opportunity that you've provided us one more time to assemble and to worship you Lord it's my desire this week as the enemy tries to remember or remind us of those things which have been already forgiven that we'll be reminded uh, that what God forgives, He also forgets. And that the grace of God is far greater than the depths and depravity of sin. Bless us now until we assemble again on Wednesday night. Lord, we'll thank you and praise you in Christ's name. Amen. You're dismissed. Thank you for being here on this Lord's Day.